from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. On this episode of Newt's World, I am really excited to be sharing with you some work that makes clear that restoring the America that works is an idea big enough that it creates the potential for a new American majority. And I'm going to spend a few minutes sharing with you what we've learned and sharing with you the key things that have to be done. This is a historic moment, and it's a moment worth really thinking about and paying attention to. I've been doing a great deal of work going all the way back to 2018 when I got a call from an old friend, Bernie Marcus, who was a co-founder of Home Depot. And Bernie was really concerned about the country. Asked me, given my background working with Reagan and then developing the contract with America and the first House Republican majority in 40 years, is there a way to pull together the big issues, the big themes, the concepts that would let us have a real American majority, not a Republican majority, but an American majority. The goal was to really think patriotically about how do we solve the many challenges that we have as a country, and how do we develop enough popular support that people will be able to actually get things done, despite the bureaucracy, despite the news media, despite all the resistance from different interest groups. Well, I've been working on it ever since. It's a big project. It's fascinating. And I went back and 
thought about the time I'd spent starting in 1974 when I first met with then-Governor Reagan and thought about the times I'd spent with Prime Minister Thatcher and the job they had both done, which were quite amazing. And working then with John McLaughlin and others, including Dave Winston, we were able to put together a really serious approach that we thought would potentially create a majority. And then something happened, which frankly changed the world. The Biden administration failed so decisively on so many fronts. They failed with the effort to create an economy that worked. They failed by closing down opportunities for the American oil and gas industry, driving the price of gasoline to what, as I speak to you now, is already a record high, and it is going to go higher. They failed with a series of policies which released criminals back onto the street. Again and again, what we found was that things just weren't working. Parents learned during the whole process of dealing with the COVID crisis and having the chance to see what their children were actually being taught, they were appalled and realized all of a sudden that they didn't want their kids taught that stuff. So then you had a crisis with education, and people then began to look at the challenge of competing with China. And they really began to understand that we had a big problem. So from that framework, we began to go out, and a key, simple, old-fashioned term showed up. And that is developing the idea that we have to restore the America that works. Notice, it's not conservative, it's not liberal, it's not Republican, it's not Democrat, in the sense that William James, the philosopher, once said pragmatism was the one true American contribution to philosophy. Pragmatism meaning being in touch with reality, allowing reality to inform how you're thinking. Turns out that Americans are very pragmatic people. You go out and you can't find infant formula, you say, it ain't working. You're afraid to go in the street at night because of drive-by shootings, carjackings, murderers, robberies. You say, it ain't working. You watch, literally as I'm talking to you, a caravan that may have as many as 15,000 people. Now remember, 15,000 people in World War II was the size of an entire infantry division. That's the size of the convoy currently coming north through Mexico, and which you and I both know the Biden administration has no clue about how to deal with. So you go from topic to topic to topic. And what we discovered, and I believe in polling just as Reagan did, because I really want to know what the American people want. Because when Lincoln said government of the people, by the people, and for the people, that does suggest that leadership ought to pay attention to the people. What we found was, because this is such a total mess, that 87% of the American people support the concept that we must restore the America that works. Now think about that. That's almost nine out of every 10 people. Now that's a big majority. And that's what I describe as potentially the new American majority, far broader than the Republican Party, includes a huge number of Democrats, includes an amazing number of African Americans, Latino Americans, Asian Americans, Native Americans, includes young people and old people for a practical reason. 
go out and fill up your car. When close to the other week, came home having just paid $104.50, and she has a sedan that doesn't take that much gasoline. She was in a state of shock. And so people are looking around saying, you know, this is a real problem. Two of the members of our team have had babies recently, and they're looking at getting infant formula. And you suddenly realize this is America, some towns and their entire states where the shortage resembles the third world. So the concept that we want to restore the America that works, I think, can be unifying and can bring together a majority, a massive majority. And so I think in that framework that it's really worth exploring in detail. And what you find is that it's not just a simple slogan. But when you start asking people, what are the values that matter? You begin to get a consistent pattern. I'm going to share them with you. These are, I know, a fair number of numbers. You can see all of this in writing if you want to go to AmericanMajorityProject.com. And all of this is listed there. And the paper that was the basis of all this is listed there. But I want to share them with you and talk about them. So in the middle of all of this effort to talk about white privilege and to tell young seven-year-old white girls that they're inherently guilty by the act of having been born white, all the stuff you read about in schools, the kind of biases you see in big corporations and at places like Harvard University. When you ask people, do you agree with Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. that the content of our character should matter more than the color of our skin? 91% agree. It's more than nine out of every 10 Americans, which tells me that the first answer to every single stupid left-wing comment by a newspaper reporter or a journalist or an interviewer that implies racism should be met by quoting Reverend King. Similarly, when we ask the question, do you favor equal treatment regardless of race when it comes to education, jobs, health care, and government services? 91% want equal treatment for all Americans. Furthermore, despite every effort of the left to smear the United States, to tell us that this is a country where you shouldn't stand for the national anthem, you shouldn't say the Pledge of Allegiance, 88% of Americans agree that America is a good country. Now, that's important because it says to me there is still a very healthy patriotic base upon which you can build a new American majority. And the support for some specific things. When asked about health care price transparency, should you be able to know what things cost? And do you think if we had health care price transparency, it would help you control cost and increase access to health care? 87% of the American people say yes. Now that says to me, to doctors, to hospitals, to insurance companies, to the federal government and state government, we ought to be able to tell people what it's going to cost them and have them have an informed choice based on real information. Despite every effort of the left to attack the concept of requiring a photo ID, and you'll hear all sorts of left-wingers say all sorts of terrible things about this idea. But the fact is, 85% of all Americans believe you should require every voter to show photo ID before casting a ballot. Now think about that. After all this talk, after the kind of votes in the House and Senate where left-wing Democrats just go off the cliff of trying to block 
knowing who you are. 85% of the country in a common sense way says, well, of course you ought to be able to prove who you are. Otherwise, some people will cheat. Almost as many, 84%, believe that the founding ideals of America are something worth fighting for. Now, after everything we've heard from all of our left-wing friends, after the New York Times' truly historically stupid and accurate 1619 project, after every effort to teach us that somehow, you know, the Constitution's obsolete, the founding fathers don't matter, 84% of the country says, wait a second, the founding ideas of America are real, and they're worth fighting for. A similar percentage, by the way, 84%, think that parents should be able to see all curriculum plans and material for classes their children take. This is going to be one of the great fights of the next few years. The teachers' union, committed to radical left-wing views, supporting the worst possible teachers as long as they're union members, basically putting the children last, having developed schools in places like Baltimore where nobody learns anything. Those unions are now going to find themselves taken head-on by people who are supporting educational freedom and who believe that we should adopt whatever it takes so that every young American can learn enough to have a good job, learn enough to be a good citizen, and learn enough to compete in the world with people like the Chinese. Again, think about that. 84% versus the teachers' union. And of course, the teachers' union uses its muscle and its power and the dues that people pay to it in order to buy so much influence in the Democratic Party that historically, the Democratic Party is almost a subsidiary of the teachers' union. But the American people believe you should trust the parents more than the union. Hi, this is Newt. I will be on TalkShopLive.com Monday, June 20th at 6 p.m. Eastern, and I'll be offering autographed copies of my new book, Defeating Big Government Socialism, Saving America's Future. You can go to the TalkShopLive.com homepage right now and find my book there, or search my name and get my new book, Defeating Big Government Socialism, and I'll be live this Monday, June 20th, on TalkShopLive.com at 6 p.m. Eastern. Again, that's TalkShopLive.com. I hope you'll join me. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. 
Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Interestingly, after all this talk about race and identity, 83% prefer to identify themselves as Americans rather than by their racial or ethnic background. Now think about that. That's more than eight out of every 10 Americans believe, I'd like you to think of me as an American, not as an African-American or Latino-American or white American or Native American or an Asian American. Just think of me as an American. Now, that's a pretty good base. When asked, should people who believe in the values found in the Bible have the right to express them publicly? 79% almost four out of every five Americans, say, yeah. This really matters because on the left, there is an enormous effort underway to make it impossible to explain biblical values, to explain the core beliefs. And this is going to be a major fight of the next few years as people who, whether you're Christian or you're Jewish, do you have the right to publicly express your beliefs, even if it's going to make some secular left-wingers uncomfortable. The left-wing would use government to censor you. But the fact is, 79% of Americans believe you have that right. Three out of four Americans, 75%, believe that we could fix health care by putting patients and doctors in charge instead of insurance companies and big governments. Now, this I think, a very important point. Over the last 30 or 40 years, the bureaucracies, whether it's the private bureaucracy of the insurance companies or the public bureaucracy of the government, state and federal, have gradually taken over more and more control. So an unknown bureaucrat, often without a medical degree, who has never seen you as a patient, sets up rules and regulations that decide what's going to happen to you. When in fact, it should be you and your doctor, the person who's actually looking directly at you who should be able to make those kind of decisions. Interestingly, and this will be very controversial given all the talk about genders and you know the effort by the federal government, which is, I think, totally unconstitutional, which is threatening to take away school lunch programs from schools that don't follow the exact rules issued by the Biden administration. Ironically, despite all the efforts on the left, 75% of the American people agree that there are only two genders, male and female. Much of that, of course, is a reflection of their biblical belief that God created Adam and Eve. 
he just created two. And that deep underlying belief, as a practical matter, when you're born, we can kind of look at you and figure out you're a boy, you're a girl, goes so violently against the transgender, semi-religious, secular belief system that it's going to be a great shock for left-wing politicians to learn and for conservative and centrist politicians to have the courage to just side with 75% of the country. I mean, it's not 75, 25, far less than 25% believe that we should learn 63 different gender titles. But the fact is that the pressures from Harvard and Yale and Princeton and the New York Times and the Washington Post, et cetera, have all created this totally false vision of how the American people believe. One of the things I found when I was running for office and then candidate Reagan in 1965 called for welfare reform. And Reagan always believed and said over and over again that a job is the best social program. Well, the American people agree. 74%, that's basically three out of four, believe able-bodied adults should have to work to receive taxpayer-funded benefits, such as food stamps, health care, or welfare. Now, I have a particular interest in this topic because both as a candidate in the contract with America and then as speaker, we passed the most solid conservative welfare reform bill in American history. We literally picked up on the 1965 Reagan proposals, and 31 years later, we passed them into law, and they had a remarkable impact. People went back to work. People got better salaries. They began to rise. More children left poverty in the last few years of the Clinton administration when we had passed welfare reform than any other time in American history. And since then, the left, which for some reason is deeply anti-work, the left loves making you dependent on the state. They want you to have to rely on the government for money. And the result is, I think, a really big challenge. I believe that one of the first things we should be doing is passing work requirements for the very purpose of helping people get off of dependency, learn how to get a job, learn how to show up for work, learn how to rise. Furthermore, while 74% believe able-bodied adults should have to work to receive taxpayer-funded benefits, the same number, 74%, believe that we should ensure equality or equal treatment and opportunities for all races and gender, not ensure equity or equal results and outcomes. Americans are very clear about this. And of course, if you look at sporting events, you see how deep this pattern is. Americans want the best team to win. They don't believe that the Lombardi Trophy should be given to every single team in the NFL every year so they don't feel bad. You know, they don't believe that the Stanley Cup should be given to every single team that plays hockey so they don't feel bad. Americans instinctively believe that you ought to have an equal opportunity, an equal chance to get out there, but that you should not be trapped into a system where some people are automatically going to get results without earning it and without trying. That's 74% of the country, almost three out of every four. 71% believe legal immigration is good for America, and we're actually developing a movie about American exceptionalism built around legal immigrants, people who came to America legally, 
have had remarkable lives, have strengthened the country. And over seven out of every 10 Americans believe that legal immigration is good for America. At the same time, 73% believe illegal immigration is bad for the country. So it is totally appropriate to favor legal immigration while opposing illegal immigration. And I think that's a very important policy development for the future. Finally, faced with fentanyl and other drugs, faced with people dying from the drug overdoses, 70% of the American people believe that the drug cartels operating on our southern border should be designated as terrorists. People are sick and tired of having people in their town, people they know, either committing suicide or dying from drug overdoses, and they want an effective government. This is part, again, of the concept of an America that works. Part of that works ought to be to be able to protect your child from dying, to be able to protect your neighborhood from the drug cartels. Now, what we found equally interesting was, even when you began to enter the word Republican, the fact is that if it was tied to the right big issues, something like 62% of the American people are ready to support those issues, even with the word Republican attached. Now, I believe that if we focus on the big solutions, that number might grow. But I think it's very important to recognize that there's something happening in America that in response to the failures of government at every level, in response to the failures, not just of the Biden administration, but the failures of bureaucracy after bureaucracy after bureaucracy, the failures of rules and regulations that punish production, that punish work, that punish small business, that Americans really do desperately want to restore the America that works. In that setting, I think that we have a huge opportunity to move ahead. And in my mind, having done some of this before, I think that there are some specific things that we can do. But I will say as a starting point, if you really want to understand a lot more deeply the background that I rely on, I'm going to suggest to you four books. Claire Berlinski wrote a remarkable small book called There Is No Alternative, Why Margaret Thatcher Matters. This is a brilliant book in which Claire points out that Thatcher, from 1975 to 1984, believed that she was on a crusade to destroy socialism. She described socialism as immoral, as destroying the very fabric of Britain. She once said the problem with socialism is it runs out of other people's money to spend. But she really attacked it head-on as an essentially immoral view of the world in which one group would steal from another group. So if you're productive and you worked hard, you did the right things your whole life. You were in constant danger of the government reaching in and either stealing your money or setting a set of rules where the government told you what you're allowed to do and the government told you the life you're allowed to lead. She won that argument, and she had often said, first you win the argument, then you win the vote. She won that argument so decisively that for the last 40 years, there has not been a single openly left-wing candidate elected Prime Minister of Great Britain. And in fact, Tony Blair, in bringing the Labour Party back into power, did so with what he called New Labour. And New Labour was, in fact, basically Thatcherism. A famous historian, Paul Johnson, said that Tony Blair was actually psychologically Margaret Thatcher's adopted son. He was more like Thatcher than the conservative leader, John Majors, who replaced her. And I think that's right. 
So I think if you want to see how you can fight to fundamentally defeat the left and to win the argument about morality and about ideas, Claire Berlinski's There Is No Alternative, Why Margaret Thatcher Matters is a great introduction. Now, I will also say that I tell every group I talk to they should read Peter Drucker's The Effective Executive. It's a remarkable book. It's only about 168 pages. I tell people to buy it in paperback, underline it, reread it once a year until they thoroughly understand it. And the fact is, I first read it in 1969. It changed my life. It's an amazingly powerful book, and I would urge you to consider it. And it relates to being effective. And if we're going to restore the America that works, I think we have to learn lessons from people like Peter Drucker uh, about what were the things that worked. How did America become such an astonishingly successful country? And what are the basic rules we need to apply to once again take off and lead the world in being the most productive and prosperous and safe country in the world? Third, if you really want to understand how to fundamentally win big arguments, Tom Evans wrote a remarkable small book called The Education of Ronald Reagan. Evans studied Reagan's eight years at General Electric, and he noticed that Reagan really learned an immense amount. The vice president of employee relations who hired Reagan, this was at the end of Reagan's movie career, and he hired Reagan to come and basically be the public face of a major, massive educational campaign. The problem they faced at GE back then was that they had seven unions, and five of them had literally communist leaders, I mean, people who were openly communist, just like the recently recalled district attorney in San Francisco, Chesa Bodin. And he couldn't negotiate with these communist leaders because they had no interest in being reasonable. But what he could do was he could so educate their members that they would not vote for a strike because they'd know that it was economically irrational. And so they developed at General Electric a remarkable employee education program. And they brought in Reagan to help be just the pleasant, positive guy that let people relax. Reagan made, I think, something like 475 speeches over an eight-year period at factories, at all sorts of, you know, warehouses, talked with blue-collar workers, took questions. It was a great preparation for running for office. and. In the process, he learned a key thing. If you educate people and you move the majority, then their leaders have to follow. And so the leaders of the unions, if they were going to survive, had to follow what their members believed. It was a remarkably powerful and remarkably effective approach, and it had a huge impact on General Electric, and it had a huge impact on Ronald Reagan. Now, as I said earlier, I first met with Reagan in 1974, and he spent some time teaching me how he gave speeches, which was just enormously helpful and shaped the whole rest of my career. But even though I'd worked with him as a candidate and I worked with him when he was president, I'd never fully understood strategically how methodical he was until I read Tom Evans' book. It's not a very big book, The Education of Ronald Reagan. I think you'll find it very helpful. And finally, a brief commercial for my own book. We have a brand new book coming out called Defeating Big Government Socialism. I think this is the most important argument we're going to have in the next four to six years. We found that when we asked the question, do you prefer 
free market capitalism or big government socialism, that free market capitalism won by 59 to 16, with the rest undecided. When you forced a decision among the swing voters, it turned out to be like 82 to 18 in favor of free market capitalism over big government socialism. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. I think it's very important to get across that America is not working, not just because we have, you know, a whacked out president and an even more whacked out vice president and a left-wing dictatorship in the House and a kind of clumsy, confused left-winger in charge of the Senate. This is not a personnel problem. This is not about the failure of individuals. They believe in a set of values which do not work. And if we're going to restore the America that works, we're going to have to go back and win the argument about why they have failed and what the policies would be that would succeed.
Now, as I said, you can find all sorts of information, AmericanMajorityProject.com. And on our show page, we'll have a link so that you can go there. We'll also have the four books I mentioned. But in addition, I just want to close by giving you a sense of the key things that we're working on. And again, having worked with John McLaughlin and with Dave Winston and Myra Miller and with Scott Rasmussen, we've really had very, very smart students of public knowledge. I also have to mention Robert Cahaley of Trafalgar, Matt Towery of Insider Advantage. These folks have all been very, very helpful in helping us think about these things. Here are some thoughts I have based on having spent so many years trying to create a majority, having helped create the Reagan sweep of 80, and then having helped create the Republican majority for the first time in 40 years with the contract with America in 1994. I have seven key starting points. One, talk about a new American majority, not a Republican majority, but learn to plan, think, and act for the American majority. That means, two, Focus on a new American majority, which requires broadening the base rather than base mobilization strategies. All too many Republican candidates and consultants focus on how do we maximize turnout among people who are already for us. But this is a new opportunity. When you have 87% of the country that thinks it's important that we restore the America that works, you can reach out everywhere and have new supporters. Reaching all of that majority requires new thinking about policy development, language, scheduling, coalition building. This is a new world. And as Lincoln said in his message to Congress in December of 1862, as our challenge is anew, our thinking must be anew. Three, the current crises of the American system, from failing education to baby formula shortages to rising crime rates, to surging gasoline, diesel, and heating oil prices, to an open and uncontrolled border, to an assault on American values by a big government socialist woke left coalition. These things are so big, they require big solutions. Now, when I became speaker, we took on solutions like reforming the entire welfare system, reforming the Food and Drug Administration, balancing the federal budget for four straight years in a row. And that means you have to have solutions which require broad support to force change on a hostile establishment and to sustain the change despite vicious and ferocious attacks from the left. Fourth, the American people really are frustrated and in pain. They want a movement dedicated to practical, workable solutions that will improve their lives. One of the reasons Republican governors are doing so much better than Democratic governors is Republican governors are pretty consistently practical, open-minded, trying to figure out how to make things work. They're not trapped by the teachers' union. They're not trapped by left-wing ideologues. They're not trapped by handfuls of ideological crises. And so they're actually able to deliver a better quality of life. And you can just go from state after state that has Republican government, compare it to the mess in New York or the mess in Illinois or the mess in California, and you can see the difference. So the American people in this frustration and this pain really want focus on practical, workable solutions that will improve their lives. And that means that the new American majority will grow by delivering better results than the big government socialist and then explaining the results as fundamental differences in principle rather than personal capabilities. Fifth, 
it's essential to remember that politics is the prelude to governing. And I must say, as somebody who's been active in the Republican Party for a long time, this is a major problem for Republicans because they have people who think only about winning campaigns and don't have any thought about, therefore, what are you going to do with it? And I am totally opposed to the idea that if you can just raise enough money to run enough negative ads, that's fine. It's not fine. People need to know what you're committed to, what you're going to do, and then they need to hold you accountable for doing it, and then you begin to build a long-term government. The new American majority has to, like Thomas Jefferson, Andrew Jackson, Abraham Lincoln, Franklin Roosevelt, and Ronald Reagan, they have to develop, because they use political momentum to create governing solutions that improve people's lives and achieve goals that people strongly support. Sixth, it is essential to stay positive and focused on cultural and political issues on which the new American majority can agree. The establishment will do everything it can to draw us into fights that distract us from the areas in which our new American majority will dominate. They will also seek to focus on every bit of gossip, internal tension, or other distraction to minimize our ability to communicate with the American majority about issues that bring us together and motivate us to win. Irrelevant or trivial noise is the enemy of growing a majority. Clarity, consistency, and firmness of purpose are the keys to attracting, educating, and holding together a new American majority. Finally, this new American majority grows out of the people's desire for a better future and a more stable value system. So it is essential for those who would lead the majority to be constantly listening to the American people and trying to learn how they are thinking and how to respond to the extraordinary pressures of our time. I believe we're at a historic juncture. I think this is what Reagan understood, certainly what Lincoln understood, what FDR understood. We now are at a moment in time when if we don't fix our country, we could lose it. We're at a moment in time where if we don't fix our school system, if we don't fix our commitment to manufacturing here at home, if we don't fundamentally overhaul the Pentagon and the intelligence services, we could literally cease to be capable of defending ourselves. We're moving from peace through strength to survival through strength because we're in a much, much more dangerous world than we've been in since the end of World War II. So I hope you will find it useful to realize that restoring the America that works is a huge idea it leads to a particular kind of creative, solution-oriented, pragmatic approaches. And if you do it right, there will be a new American majority that will totally repudiate big government socialism and lead America back into being the freest, the safest, the most prosperous country in the world. I hope you found this really useful, and I hope you will go to AmericanMajorityProject.com for any additional information and for all the things we're working on and discovering. Neutral is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Garnsey Slum. Our producer is Rebecca Howell, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, 
I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at Gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race, the Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes, Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network.